0: You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna and I'm a woman's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders and spiritual light workers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life for listening. I'm here with Alana Mehta. Alana is a dance catalyst, teacher, and creative. She is the founder of Wild Vessel, an event series that's designed to redefine the feminine narrative in society, as well as the founder of Meta Method, which is a globally recognized dance technique using the natural elements to advance emotional intelligence and well-being. Welcome, Alana.
1: Thanks for having me, Chelsea. Hello, everyone.
0: Absolutely. Alana and I, uh, we were both connected through a friend, Yali. And I immediately, I, I went into her Instagram and I saw her energy and her, her groundingness. I think we're both air signs. We both have Taurus moons, which we discovered at Burning Man this past okay. year when I ran into you. And we both have very similar missions in the world. So I'm super excited for this podcast, diving into the feminine masculine energy and um, going into your journey, Alana.
1: This is going to be fun.
0: <laughs> yes, it's going to be so
1: great. I love it.
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, so you have two amazing creations, Wild Bessel and Meta Method. I'd love to kind of rewind a little bit and go into your dance background because I know for me... Dance has been a huge part of my life, and it's also what helped me kind of understand the dualities of life, even before I knew what that meant. That was kind of how I came into balancing my own energy. And I would love to hear about your dance background and how dance has shaped kind of who you are today.
1: Absolutely. And the masculine and feminine was something that made sense through my experience through the dance as I started off in a very masculine fashion with dance, it was technique driven and it was very consistent and militant and always conforming into a form. So getting the choreography right and getting my BA in dance and training at the hip hop dance conservatory and repertory company. There was a phase in my life for about nine months uh, that I was dancing 50 to 60 hours easily uh, a week. Wow. And in this training, I was also in chronic pain. like I had hip pain and lower back pain and Through the dance, it'd feel better. But then when I wasn't dancing, it kind of hurt again. It was almost when I paused that I was in pain. But when I was active, it was uh, like the pain was moving. So I didn't feel it as much because the adrenaline was going. Uh, But even just to give a little bit more of a background, even before the dance, I was a soccer player. And I dropped out of a soccer scholarship uh, my first year going to college to move to Manhattan and become a dancer. So I started dancing on the streets and actually started more in a feminine type of perspective where I didn't really know what I was dancing. I just had passion and an inspiration motivating me and just wanting to learn how to move my body in certain ways. So making money as a subway dancer and in getting inspired by these different crews, it's really what inspired me to create a dance crew in New York and go back to college and get my BA in dance. And that's when the rigorous training really started to begin. And I graduated with a BA in dance and all these beautiful modalities. And a huge piece of my journey was once I dropped out, not dropped out of college, I graduated. (laughs) Once I graduated from college and I went to one festival, I snuck up on stage and I ended up performing. And when I jumped on stage with this artist, uh, they kicked me off stage and not the artist, but the producers of that festival. And they're like, you're not allowed to do that. But we like what you did. Who are you? What's your name? Here's a backstage pass. And by the way, do you teach? (laughs) Uh, which this was in, oh 2013. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2013 and it launched my career in so many ways where the producers of that festival were like, who are you? You just jumped on the scene right now. And are you familiar with any of these festivals and would you like to get involved? So it turned into a three-year festival tour for me, which wound me up in teaching at, on the Wonderless tour internationally, performing, uh, and going on tour with Nako and then perform with Michael Franti and the Glitch Mob and all these other beautiful artists. Uh, yet my journey switching out of technique and moving into a lot of these festivals was my dance between the masculine and the feminine of actually finding my formlessness within the dance. Uh, like I had so much technique, but who was I outside of the dance studio? Who was I when I just listened to the music? And it was challenging at first because I was thinking about what steps I needed to do rather than actually just being with the moment that wanted to move me. Uh, so a Absolutely. big piece of my journey and in a Vipassana in 2013 uh, is when the Meta Method came to me where I felt in my body on a whole sensational level, um, the elements fire pulsing up and down my body water circulating through my body earth it was almost it was on a flat plane plane and then air was scattered sensation moving from my body so feeling like a pulse on my shoulder then my nose then my knee then my hip and it just moving everywhere I was like this is what you dance with now this is your meta go like I am the meta I am the time and space holding all of these elements together and so that was my journey to step from form to formlessness, from, from the structure to, uh, like to the chaos, and, and letting nature be my greatest teacher in that, and, and awakening me to the feminine, to this whole elemental piece of life.
0: Totally. That's so beautiful. And that resonates so deeply. When I started, uh, I graduated college and I started ballroom dancing and I kept back leading my partner. And I didn't, I didn't break the habit of back leading because in ballroom dance, the man is supposed to lead, the woman is supposed to kind of relax Mm -hmm. into his frame and i kept wanting to anticipate and i was like really trying to lead him and it wasn't until i found west coast swing which is a totally formless dance where you just let your body go and you just completely work off the other person's energy that i learned how to just like surrender and release and relax into that and that totally shaped how i dance today and actually it shapes how i do business it shapes how i operate in the world too. It really mm-hmm. had an influence on me. And I had no idea that you created meta method out of no. a vipassana, which for those of you listening who you don't that you don't know, vipassana is a 10 day meditation and there's a certain process to it. And it's extremely challenging. You don't talk to anybody. I don't even think they let you do yoga. And and so when you were in this vipassana you, you came up with the idea or completely created mm-hmm. the meta method? It,
1: it fully came. It was just the, the raw, authentic experience of feeling the elements. And then the message after feeling all four of those sensations was, this is now what you dance. This is your meta go like game on <laughs> and it really formulated itself That's where it's beautiful. been this this map this this journey this mystery that every single day emerges and reveals itself to me just by being in the curiosity of What does it mean to dance with fire, with water, with earth and air, both on a physical level, but also a psychological level of my approach to life? The same way you said that the dance also relates to how you work in business and your professional aspects and your relationships. It is it is a correlation and opportunity to connect everything back to the dance of life, seeing it as a physical dance, but also really seeing it metaphorically as life being a dance.
0: Mm, that's so great. And were you already going down this spiritual path and this personal growth path before uh, like
1: where did you end up getting into that and how did that end up shaping the I was born into it in a lot of ways. My mom is an organic (laughs) vegetarian chef activist. So I was raised a vegetarian, Uh, still am a vegetarian. I've never had meat. I have eaten fish. And my dad is an architect and sculptor, focuses on metal, glass, and stainless steel. So both my parents are beautiful entrepreneurs. And my mom grew up in a spiritual community. She changed her name to Bhavani when she was 18. And Ramdas is my sister's godfather. So I was brought into this, wow. this like omni-perspective type of stance around spirit and beliefs and God and the universe. And, you know, we called ourselves Hindu Buddhacrises, even though I am Buddhist. <laughs> Right? But my mom was like, I, why would I deprive my children from celebrating Christmas and the holidays when all the family can come together and doing pujas and, you know, like, so it's a whole array of celebration, especially my mom being a chef and her excitement to bring community together around food and the table. So that was a lot of my upbringing. Uh, Of course, in my teen years, I was repulsed by it. You know, I didn't want to go to kirtan or yoga anymore. My mom, you know, was sad about that. And I definitely feel as I have evolved that I am the extension of so much of my mom's work. I like to say, we are them then now, or Mm. I am her then now. And the ripples of what she started. And of course, you know, she's gotten older. She's not really into it as much, but it's it's been so much of who she is in her life. And I'd say that has been a piece that has inspired me. Yet, you know, my brother and my sister who grew up in the same household are not really into the spiritual path the way that I am. And I even like to say that I'm not so much connected as much to the spiritual path, but more as the body path. Where they're, they're all intersected, I believe, with the body and not to disassociate the body on a spiritual path because so many people have a disassociation of I am not my body when being on a spiritual path.
0: Mm. Um, For sure. Yeah, Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So for you, you're going more down the embodiment route to kind of get into more um, deeper connection with yourself because there's multiple ways to connect through spirit and through your body is another way that you found to connect.
1: Yeah, I feel that spiritual bypass is really easy when we are disconnected from the body because then people are still Operating in denial, in desensitizing themselves, uh, avoiding mechanisms, not actually feeling what is happening on a day, a moment to moment basis on a sensational level, where the human experience is nothing but a sensational experience. And what, and how deep can we get to the truth of what is real in every moment, which is the subtle, subtle, maybe even subconscious sensations that are happening. In every moment, like what sensations are actually motivating your impulses or the the things that you do? What is motivating your eating habits? What are motivating your conversations? Are they subconscious thoughts and ideas that and sensations that you are not aware of that are driving your actions. So by tapping into the body and being aware of our sensations, we can actually understand the impetus of our impulses and where our sense-making is coming from, Mm sense-making from sensation.
0: For sure, yes. It's almost like where little energy pockets built up or where you have that like gut feeling and that tug towards your intuition. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think when we're disconnected from our body, a lot of people say that, the deeper you get into your emotional state, the more you get into your intuition. And, 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 and that could be part of it, but I think it's really what you just said about the sensations in your body. It's a feeling on a different level that helps give you that pull or that, um, that direction towards something, your intuition. So have you always been super intuitive? Or you said you kind of started off in, in your masculine energy dancing, were you more masculine in life and then stepped into your feminine energy? And what did that process look like for you?
1: Yeah. I have always had an intuition. The difference is, have I listened to that intuition?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. There's like, we all have that inner voice, that inner knowing. Yet, oh my goodness, did I have all the stories in the book to justify the reasons to not listen to my intuition? Mm, yes. And that- created self-sabotage, that created unworthiness, that created lacking confidence, that created eating disorders, that created uh, abuse internally. Therefore, I was attracting abuse in my life externally. Like I said, like I had chronic hip pain and lower back pain. I was in abusive relationships. And all of this stemmed from I'd say the imbalance of my masculine and feminine qualities, which simply was ignoring my internal world, which just for this frame of reference, what I would deem as like the feminine and the external world of like the light being the masculine where they weren't congruent with each other or they were congruent, but my inner world was not a self-loving place. Therefore, my external reality wasn't that either. From what is within then becomes without, like the outside of us. And I think a lot of us are afraid to look within because we're like in is the shadow, which I also want to even clear up in this, that our inward, like the darkness, is not the shadow. Darkness and shadow are two very different things. There's light and dark. If we want to talk about polarities, dualities, and like the dance of mass and feminine, as positive and negative charges, there's a current that moves through both of these poles. And in these poles, it's not shadow. Shadow exists in the light as much as in the dark. It's just that we've associated so much shadow around our darkness, and it really is like a solo inward journey. To access our darkness, because it is an inward journey, uh, a lot of people maybe don't have the tools, or are afraid, or don't, like haven't, just don't know, don't have access to touch these more um, hidden parts that we've hidden, like kept from ourselves. That arise in the darkness. So, th- just wanted to make that distinction, and if that was clear between dark and the shadow.
0: For sure. It's almost like the sun and the moon and the sun giving reflection onto the moon and that creating that shadow. And then there's actually the darkness behind that. But that doesn't mean that
1: the shadow is the darkness. It's just a reflection. And using that light as an opportunity of like, well, okay, my external reality is bringing this into my life. Instead of ignoring it, denying it, how can I use it as information to actually inform the things that are happening to me in my internal reality? For sure, yes, yes. Yeah, so coming back to intuition, there was like I, I hit a point, rock bottom when um, in 2012 when my uh, my ex partner showed up in my apartment and tried to take my life. Where mm. it it really it rocked me. It it rocked me in a way that I I could feel just like how much adrenaline moved me over the next moving weeks, but really to acknowledge and own the trauma that was there. And I ended up going celibate for nine months and then being with uh, another partner, which at this point I was out of, I, I was in a different layer. I was not attracting abuse anymore. Like I saw in my reflection that that was healed, but I was still sexually in trauma, like traumatized because you could imagine if that there was an abuse that brought that moment um, yeah. to fruition. There was a lot of other leading steps mm-hmm. before that. For sure. Mm-hmm. And my my next partner, who we loved each other so much and we were together for over two and a half years. And I'll never forget his words. He's like, I love you so much, but if you're gonna hate me every time I have sex with you, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And that really started my journey around. Listening to myself because it was avoiding myself up until that point, being in denial of the pain that was there and finding different tactics and mechanisms to almost protect my wounds rather than actually facing them. So it was a total difference of not protecting myself from life, but actually being a protector for my life and taking a stand for my life and knowing my life is worth it and valuable and that. I have something to say and I didn't have the tools yet to be able to say it in the way that I was even receiving myself. Like it wasn't authentic yet. So connecting with my intuition has been like like a consistent practice, a never ending journey and refinement of trusting my intuition enough to lean into it to trust myself enough that even if i like trust my intuition and then something goes quote quote wrong to not say like i'll never trust this again but to be in a constant dance of mm-hmm. of of experiment of letting myself be this dance lab and a laboratory for learning a laboratory for growth wow yes that's beautiful. That's, that's when, yeah. I was just going to say the judgment piece is, um, when we judge ourselves within these realms that, that need practice, um, that's when we're, when we are really hurting ourselves. And I was judging myself and my practice for so long. Like if it didn't look a certain way, I felt like a failure. And Intuition is there and it's really about how much can we love ourselves to actually be in a position to listen to our intuition and to value that more than other people's opinions of us and what they think we should do and really validating what is coming from within
0: Absolutely. And that whole process takes so much self-trust, especially in a culture that values the masculine energy so intensely. It's like how much value we can create in the world and how much our, our worth is based on our value and, and things like that. It almost takes... Uh, healing we sometimes say the wounded masculine and stepping into not fearing the feminine but more trusting her and trusting this voice so you went through an entire process and it was almost magnified in a way by your your ex-partner who brought out some of this fear and and potentially um, even shifted the way that you related to your own body and your in your own in your own being and your own relationship to your feminine masculine. Would you say that he came from? love,
1: And that's that's what I felt. He actually wasn't coming to me from a place of fear. He was saying, "I love you so much that I don't know if I can do this if you're not going to love yourself." Is basically mm-hmm. what he was saying. Yes. And because he rippled something out from a place of love, it gave me the ability to feel it. Mm -hmm. Yet if it was coming from a place of fear and then it touched my fear, it would have probably caused a completely different sensational reaction inside myself that might have been like, screw you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, to get clear on what we're talking about around the feminine and masculine even more, that it is not gender related, that these poles, this current uh, coexists in all life, where I see it as, we can use different terminology, as life force. In plants, there is life force. There is like these positive and negative charges in the way that things move. There is the force from the sun, growing things like from the earth to create life as it grows up so the feminine energy is growing up from the earth and the masculine energy is like the force of the sun coming down onto the earth so again it's these poles constantly that are moving through life
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for sure and I even like to think of it as, like, as another analogy, like a, a, a river, and the the banks of the river are almost this masculine structure in this container that's holding together this this beautiful, powerful stream of water running through it. And without the banks, the river would overflow and flood, and it could be very destructive. Mm-hmm. And without the water, it's kind of it's emptiness, it's essenceless. Mm-hmm. So the idea and this is this is the way that I look at things, is to balance these two energies internally because if we don't balance them internally, we start to look for them in other people and it almost creates a codependency on the people around us. Like everything works in a polarity. It does create attraction and passion, but passion is another word for suffering. It actually could create more suffering. So I like to see these energies as something that we want to balance internally within ourselves and they have nothing to do with You're right. They have nothing to do with gender. It's more just our energetic makeup Mm -hmm. internally.
1: What do you mean passion can create suffering?
0: Ah, uh, the, the word for passion mm-hmm. um, actually means suffering. Like the root of the word passion means suffering. And I know there's a lot of talk in the spiritual space about the uh, feminine and masculine and being very polar, creating this attraction energy. And that's true. It, polarities do create attraction, but when you're balanced within yourself, you actually create harmony in your partnerships too. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've also experienced with yourself? Like as you stepped more into harmony with yourself, did you see your relationships kind of changing and shifting?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the dance. It's all, it's all relational. This, this cannot be done without relationship. For example, like it starts with self-relationship and the way that I speak to myself internally and, and getting real with that. Like, how do I talk to myself? Because how I talk to myself is then probably the energy that I'm talking to other people with, even if my words say something different, the energy behind it may have some daggers connected to it because that's how I, and, and so seeing that the relationship starts with self to then recognizing that everything is relationship and that is what the attraction is but what is attracting us in a lot of relationships can also be our traumas and our triggers because they are being attracted to each other to actually alchemize and shift Mm -hmm. into something else
0: that's a great perspective i believe that
1: is a beautiful invitation because yes it's wanting to create more harmony uh And why are we attracted or repulsed, right? In the attraction, there's also repulsion to understand what it is that's wanting to reveal itself within the shadows to turn into something else because we are evolutionary beings. We are constantly in that frame and there's always the invitation for us to continue to evolve, adapt, and problem solve in correlation Mm -hmm. to nature.
0: That's a great perspective also. Uh, we almost attract what we need to heal in our wounding.
1: Yeah, and and the, the natural homeostasis for nature is harmony. You know, there will be a storm, an earthquake, a tornado, a tsunami, and then harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always right. It's always coming back after that chaos uh, to its its baseline. Uh, and of course, there's certain pieces that will need to adapt itself after something. Explosive or expansive uh, or deconstructive,
0: uh, but it's sure. coming
1: back to that harmony. Uh, but and we for bringing that masculine and feminine again to a human perspective, uh, I like to think of the masculine as logic, linear thinking, uh, organization, data, mathematics, science, the mind, technology um and then the feminine as the muse creativity intuition vulnerability emotions the body the dance and seeing okay how do i value those two poles within those masculine qualities and those feminine qualities inside myself. Am I creative? Am I vulnerable? Do I respect my emotions? Have I practiced my intelligence around emotions to actually be able to hold my emotional state as well as another person's rather than someone bringing their emotions to me and instantly shutting down, right? So that's a shutdown of the feminine in connection. It's saying no to what is actually happening. And I believe the practice of bringing in these feminine qualities is recognizing that the feminine does not exist in a rational place. It does not really exist Mm -hmm. in the linear thinking of the mind. It is something that arises moment to moment. It is spontaneous as it is life itself. And what, life can guarantee to us is it is spontaneous. It is unpredictable.
0: Totally. And and, and that's what brings in creativity. It's like creating that empty space Mm -hmm. for that canvas to be created. And it's interesting because I think the more we become comfortable with that and the more that we step into that um, unknowingness, the more the energies in the world can also rise. Because I see a lot right now. I see... Um or maybe this was in the past. the feminist movement was was about fighting and um, almost like picketing for rights as to be more as for women to be more like men or equal to men in a way. and it was it it, it started out of um, fear and out of anger because there was a lot of repression and now i'm i'm hoping and i'm seeing it shift a little bit to be more from places of love and from a place of people wanting to be more like women and not necessarily women looking to compete with men and instead of creating a competitive energy it's creating a a beautiful um, desire for people to want to be more like this and bring in more of this intuition and this vulnerability into culture and I think that's really the way to heal the 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 differences and the polarities and to bring it back into harmony mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's it's super delicate right because the feminist movement like wow so much gratitude for all the the sisters and the brothers that took a stand for us to be where we are today, for both of us to be women that get to express ourselves in mm-hmm. you know, today's today's society, and of course there's still so much going on. And it was almost as if the women, the like the element of fire that women needed, it was like fire on top of fire with a lot of the, the pulse and the impetus of like the feminist movement, because it also like women needed that to actually touch the governmental system for them to even be taken seriously. Yeah. Like that needed to happen to where we're in a place around, you know, this whole conversation around equality and the way that I reference and look at life in like, I look at life as life systems. And right now we live in forced systems. Um, Life systems being ecological, regenerative, um, biological systems, right? So that's life systems. And there's force systems, which is more governmental, capitalistic, medical, educational systems, right? They're like forced into creation. Nothing right or wrong with any of them. They're just life systems and force systems. How do we be in relationship with them? where they don't have force or power over us, but we actually are taking advantage from a stance of our life where we're not contracted by either of them. Like, and that's not easy for a lot of people, right? The force system has so much power over them. They like barely have any choices and there's, so many people in a force system that don't value life systems at all. So they use their force over life rather than force for life. But going back to this conversation around equality, like equality doesn't exist in nature. That's not even a word that, that derives equality is something that's created from a force system. So when we're putting so much of our structures and rules from that place and devaluing life uh, and we're devaluing, So many human lives, right? We're devaluing um, all these other races and cultures uh, and like indigenous because they had a whole way of life. But because Mm -hmm. of that certain, because of that way, and it was four systems, there was no respect there. And it's the same with women, and women are the carriers of life. There is not respect there. So, right, like how as women do we get our voices to be heard by the forced systems? Because forced systems, I believe, are in like what we can call like a patriarchal system. It's just not informed by life. It really avoided the the intelligence that these systems were created on top of and, and not respecting them. So how today do we come to the conversation in this command of respect respect for ourselves as women but also respect to nature to life mm-hmm. itself and it's such a delicate dance of yes how do we bring more water to it which is this softer quality to to invite the the perspective where we're not attacking for yes. in, attacking for our voices to be heard, um, and now, like, is there another opportunity? Where uh, I believe there is, because I believe that the men and all genders, even beyond you know women and men genders, people that don't have, identify as either of those, like I believe we're all hurting because we've put ourselves in so many boxes and forced life onto ourselves in a way that uh, is a broken system. And we're all feeling broken inside. And if we have completely devoided ourselves from life in all of its ways, I think as women, our way to really bring the feminist movement to a feminine movement now,
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: is not like the future is female or future is feminine. The future is integrated. The future is the harmony. The future is all of us feeling connected to life, to life force itself, like finding that 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 integral dance between the two. Totally. So That's how okay. for us as women do we get to understand the feminine energy within ourselves because we really are the ones that are closest to the essence of it because we are carriers of life we have wombs we are connected to the moon we ha- like all of us are seventy three percent of water and but like feeling our connection and that tap and ability to the the moon really gives us this connection to the cycles to to us, like, oh my God, we're a planet in space and there's a moon and we're connected <laughs> to it. And like, Let's just breathe that in for a second and it not be like this woo-woo, airy-fairy thing that's like up and out. Actually, what is up and out? It's down within, it's in my body, it's living, it's alive and it's fucking yeah. real. Totally, yes. And to use that, like to use that as my power, to use that as a gift and as an invitation for also giving and offering myself to men. And when I say offer myself, we'll get clear on that in a second, like offering myself to men as a space of safety, of being able to experience the feminine qualities of life that I believe men are also hungry for. So like how to be, uh, a and just like to give my life to life is, is so much of what I'm, I'm here for. Mm-hmm. And, that role in a lot of just my friends and men's in the men in my life how to be an example of what the embodied feminine can feel like can look like yes Uh,
0: that's so beautiful that's such a beautiful take on it i love hearing your perspective thank you and and i would love to hear and i would love to hear also that the offering Around men, but how you bring this into creative vessel because men actually play, I'm sorry, a wild vessel, because men play a, a huge part in it um, as the protectors, right? I'd love to hear about that and how they are able to hold space and really facilitate this. Yeah.
1: So to give a background, Wild Vessel are immersive experiences and an educational platform that's all designed to empower the feminine narrative in all genders. And our experiences are like think immersive theater meets personal development and sensual education, all wrapped in an intimate party atmosphere. So we'll have about 200 women and 50 men at an experience. And then we'll train people that are already professions in their domain of psychotherapists, wellness practitioners, coaches, tantric sex experts, movement teachers, and artists that are all holding the energetic coherence and infrastructure of the experience. So we're training them a month leading up to this event. So our attendees, our participants can feel really safe to practice the wild unknown, to feel safe enough to touch the thing that they've suppressed so, for so many years inside them, to let that little girl out, to cry, to scream, to roar, to laugh, to play, to get real with their dynamic between their parents that their dad was never there, like whatever it is. And, and being able to hold each other in that and, And seeing that we don't have to have these types of conversations around like intimacy, gender, relationship dynamics, and meeting our vulnerabilities behind closed doors anymore. That what happens when we come together as a growing community to actually Mm -hmm. hold each other in this, knowing how, like, how do I even hold myself in this? Yeah. Um, So that's the whole piece of passion behind Wild Vessel. And it came because I was leading women's circles for over a year in my living room on a weekly basis. And I saw, I was like, this isn't just a conversation for us women. Like, I want men to understand what it is that we're talking about here, like what our needs are, what we're saying behind closed doors. And instead of it being something that we're saying just to ourselves, like I want the men to know, like they need to know what we're sensing, what we're feeling when we don't feel safe and how they can play a supportive role on us feeling safe. And so much of that safety is actually men trusting themselves for men to live in bodies that they trust. That they trust their impulses, they trust their and their actions, and there's there's a lot of delicacy for all of us. Again, like if we have lived and were raised not living with perspectives and uh, respect for life, it's very hard for us to have respect for our own life without you know a forced system literally saying this is what you look like this is how you feel this is how you don't feel this is what you do in public this is how you go to work and get your job done and this is how you spend your time and you go to bars and you get wasted and then you do it all over again it's like that's what the world has told me is a happy time but don't don't be sad be happy like there's so much and breaking out of that almost like ripping it apart and reminding us ourselves that we are wild and then how to trust ourselves as wild. So that's the part around the men coming in as protectors and we play with these three roles of the protector, the predator and passive and not that any of them are right or wrong. It's more about the freedom of choice as a man, can I know myself as the predator? Can I know what I will fuck and kill for as a man? Like, do I trust that I will take only what I really want to take for maybe like a survival type of thing? Or am I just like seeing how much I can like, attack things, even like, so I talk a lot, let's just go into sex for a a moment. So I'm a certified tantric sex coach, neo tantra specifically. And I focus a lot with men around intimacy, sex and empowerment to live in a body that you trust. And one of the topics for men is they will be having sex with women just to like play a numbers game, not even because they necessarily want to. And a lot of men, even if they're hit on by women, don't even know how to say no because they're like, why would I say no to sex? But that also signifies that they're having sex and not really always having a say, not really connecting sex with love. So when it comes to loving someone and having sex, it's very challenging for a man to connect the two. It almost is like they don't exist in the same arena. So giving men mm. the power back of to trust what it is, that uh, who they are choosing to have sex with. To not just give yourself to anything that wants to have sex with you, but basically being like, only take what it is that you are choosing. And what are you choosing? Are you choosing sex or are you choosing love? Like, what do you actually want? Do you want sex and then feeling kind of empty at the end of that? Are you choosing love and then building and working your way to have sex that actually connects to your love so you can feel connected to yourself that you can build your strength and your trust and your love for this other person and see how this ripples and amplifies everything in your life? life for sure and so it's kind of like the play on like are you like in the predator or are you choosing something different do you know how to say no do you know how to say yes Mm. uh and and so then the passive role is you know if there's locker room talk is are you saying something to the the guy that's um sexualizing or you know um like the misogynistic guy that's in the locker room talking negatively. Do you say anything or do you just, you know, stay silent? Do you see a man being physically inappropriate with a woman in public? Do you say anything or are you just kind of passive? A lot of men might not even do anything because they might not trust themselves or that other guy to do anything about it, but it's still kind of maybe a powerless position based on the context. Or maybe it's, Passive from an inviting place. Like there's so many different contexts and dynamics to these, but it's powerful to use them as role play of really understanding the motives of self behind all of them. So the predator, the passive, and then the protector of how do we protect life rather than protecting ourselves from life. Mm. So we train these men in the experience because the women and men start separate. We train the men with all these different experiences like ground her, nourish her, hold her, dance with her, listen to her, see her, and train them in before they come into this space of like 200 women that have gone through this beautiful dancing journey, and and be like, okay, you say that you're a protector and you're choosing this archetype, but who are you in the actual experience? Are you there? Are you trying to get that beautiful woman's number? or are you just kind of accepting and trusting that if it's meant to be it will unfold in that way so it's it's also understanding where your where your sword is when you're entering the space That's as a man do i feel right do i feel do i trust myself enough to keep my sword in its sheath at my side and just like Like, I'm good. I got my sword. I don't need it out. Or am I constantly on guard? Am I so intimidated by women? Do I not trust the feminine that, like, my sword is out in front of me and I'm constantly on guard? I'm constantly, like, wanting to control the situation. So let me just let everyone know that my sword is here. Mm. or like, is my sword up in the air? Cause I'm about to swing at anyone in any moment. I'm already in like a place of complete anxiety that like you poke me wrong way and I'm already slicing you. Yeah. Right. So there's all these different roles of really getting to see ourselves. Cause we're all so delicate. And, and while vessel is this place that like, we also invite men that are feeling shame or guilt around things that like you are safe here too. To to get real and vulnerable with the things that you feel are holding you back from actually being the man that we as women so like want you to be. Like we want you to be your fullest. And as women, like this is a message right now to us, incredible women. If we keep shaming these men in our lives and putting them down when they're trying to come clean around something that they aren't proud of from their past or they decide to, cry in front of us or like that that moment happens or they are in practice of their feminine in a different way and they decide to dance or they decide to put on like tights for you know an occasion whatever and we laugh at them or we shut them down because they did it wrong we are we are perpetuating the problem we are not actually moving the we are then being like uh, we are closing off the potential of what's possible, and I really don't believe that that is what we're wanting to do. We we get to be the invitation of being the safe space for men to practice their feminine, the same way that we are learning and practicing ours.
0: That's so beautiful. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know that you are in the process of writing a book and I can imagine how many of these principles are being brought into the book based on all of your experiences and how many events that you've done. You've done these all over the country in different cities. What are the main principles that you're bringing into this book?
1: Mm -hmm. The main principles is to take ownership and responsibility of our energy at all times that we are creating things into reality with every thought, with every word, with every single action that we take and seeing life as life force. Like that is, that is the main takeaway, life force. And seeing that we've gotten so used to operating our lives from a place of force and therefore extracting from life. And how can we get back to living a life that is integrated, integral and aligned with life force? And that alignment is connection of a connection and shared narrative of our thoughts, words and actions, mind, body, spirit, mind, body, sex and seeing that congruency so my inner world reflects my outer world.
0: Mm-hmm. Alana, mm-hmm. beautiful, absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. It's magical. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of this. And um, I'd love to wrap up the podcast with one actionable thing that you can leave our listeners with, something that they can take into their own lives and start implementing today something based on all of your experiences. We talked about the feminine masculine. We talked about wild vessel. We talked about your book. We talked about philosophies and imbalances and harmonies in the world. What is one thing that you would leave people with?
1: Hmm. That life is a myth and we are creating our mythology all the time. So like, what is the inner myth that you are telling yourself every day? Are you the hero of your story? Are you the victim of your life story? And seeing how that is interplaying and woven through the way that your life is being orchestrated. And and also feeling empowered by that. Like, if my life is a myth, what is the story that I can create with that? And and the piece that I want to bring up right now within this story is finding out where your your little one is, the little one, little you that lives inside. So whether that's your little girl, your little boy, if you don't identify with either of those genders, just like, where is that one? How old are they? Are they inside you? Can you feel where they are? Are they jumping for joy and saying, hi, I'm right here? Or are they hiding? Are they curled up in a ball? Are they like under your bed? Um, Are they crying? Are they with mom and dad? Is no one around? Are they alone? Um, Are they frightened? Are they happy? That is a huge indicator to really understand how your myth is being played out right now, because they are, they are the magical ones that that bring so much life into who you are now. So if you're in the curiosity of like, how do I practice the feminine? How do I explore this inner world? How do I bring life into life systems, into these force systems? The invitation is to check in on your little one.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Alana. And um, if people want to reach you and contact you, how can they best do that? Instagram,
1: yeah. your website. Yeah, my Instagram is uh, the handle is Meta Method, M E T A Method. Mm-hmm. And my website is elanameta.com, E L A N A M E T A.com. Always offering different. Little nuggets and pieces. I do one on one coaching as well as I have a course running right now called How to Wild. It's a six week course designed to be a bridge for the modern woman to her wild side. And we also have wild vessel events that are happening uh, quarterly. So there's so many pieces that I'd love to stay in touch about to hear where you're at and uh, the ways in which we can continue to dance and bring ourselves to life in this life.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Chelsea. What a gift to be on this podcast and to see you standing in your power and by doing so, you inviting others into theirs. So truly a gift and an honor. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'll talk
0: you. This episode of the Chelsea a podcast is sponsored by Wildly Woven. There are very few things in this world that have impacted me more than getting out of my default environment and exploring a new country. That's why Megan Alman, Matt Thomas, and myself are putting together a new year's retreat in Bali. This is an eight day event for people looking to dive deeper into their soul and balance their inner masculine and feminine energies. It's open to both men and women, and it'll be eight days of breath work, yoga, meditation, exploring the, the local culture. For more information, head over to wildlywoven.com.